Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate Team Mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi, everyone. How are you? I am currently laying completely flat with the mic in my hands, and it's heavy, and it's probably making a noise. So if that's happening, I apologize. Also, just a fair warning, um, people are, like, moving in across the street and getting wood floors, so there's, like, a lot of workers, and my dog has been going fucking insane all day. So if she barks in the background, you know, she barks in the background. This is her house, too. I can't, I can't stop that. Little Cookie needs to bark. How is everyone? I am tired, you know. Spring has sprung, which is beautiful, great, wonderful. I don't have to kill myself. But the bad thing is, is that my allergies are like so fucking bad. I've had such a hard week with allergies. Also, I (laughs) went to the massage place in the mall. You know how every mall has a place like that? And I love to go. And usually it's like an amazing massage. I went there last night. Except, like, a different person did it than usual. And she was there, my usual lady. But for some reason, I wasn't like, no, can she do it? I don't know why I didn't just, like, speak up for myself. But I didn't. And the guy that did it, like, my back hurts today. Like, my upper back. It feels sore. I think I need to do um, the foam roller thing. I don't know. Like, why do I do these things myself? I don't know. I don't know, guys. I have no answer. Anyway, big plans for this weekend, which is Marie Kondoing my stuff. Even though I don't have that much stuff because, as everyone knows, I moved from Florida to Pennsylvania like a little less than a year ago. And I did get rid of a lot of stuff then. But I acquire so much shit. Like, I literally right now am looking at six brushes that are sitting on my, like, where I keep my stuff. Like, why do I have six brushes? I only need two of these. Well, I'll probably keep three. One, I like to just keep, you know, like, if I want to bring it traveling. But I can get rid of these brushes. But I'm like, but they're newish. I don't know. I just, like, buy things. Like, when I'm in Target or Walmart on or on Amazon or, like, I'll watch. It's so sick. I'll watch YouTube videos and buy the stuff that I see in the YouTube videos because I'm, like, a crazy consumer. So I just have so much stuff that I need to get rid of. And for the first time in many years, I have to do a wardrobe uh, swap out, which I like kind of forgot that I had to do. I have to pull all of, well, okay, I'm probably not going to pull my spring stuff out yet because it's still pretty, pretty, pretty cold out. Like it's not, you know, it's not really spring yet as everybody knows. But it's also not, like, deep winter, so I have some stuff that needs to go. I'm going to put away, like, my electric blanket, the heaviest of my coats, like, the heaviest of my sweaters that I probably won't wear again. I'm going to start on this swap. And when I do that, I'm going to, like, throw out, well, not throw out, but donate a ton of stuff and throw out some stuff, like, that I just do not use and I'm not sure why I own. Um... So yeah, those are my big plans for the weekend. Also, I need to go to yoga. I was going to go this morning, but I slept in like a real piece of shit. So I might go this afternoon. I'm definitely going to make myself get up and go in the morning. But that's it. What's going on in Team Mom World? Oh, the reunion's happening this weekend. I think Janelle's staying in Philly and they're driving her to New York, <laughs> which is crazy. But um, I guess it makes sense. That's what the Ashley said they're going to do and on... Janelle's Snapchat, not her Snapchat, her Insta story, it really did look like she was um, in Philly. Like, she was on a rooftop, and it definitely looked like a Philadelphia rooftop. So, I guess David and Ensley are in Philly with her. I guess Kaiser's probably there, too, unless Doris took Kaiser to New York. Because Nate and Ashley are in New York. 
but I didn't see Kaiser in her Insta story. So I'm actually not sure where Kaiser is, but he's probably in New York with Doris. So, you know, it's just, they should just cancel the reunion, honestly. Like, we truly do not need a reunion. We tr- we don't. We really don't. Life would be so fine without a reunion. I'd be so happy if we didn't have a reunion. I'm kind of concerned that we're just getting a reunion filmed now because that means we still have like five episodes of this season left. And that's not great. So Janelle apparently is staying in Philly. Kale did show up. Uh, Lee is there. Is Chelsea there? I She has to be there, right? I haven't seen anything about Chelsea not being there. And Brie is there. Oh, by the way, I meant to mention this at the top of the show, but I guess I'm just going to mention it now. Dropping sometime this week, probably early this week, I just have to edit the episode. I did a uh, Patreon buy-in episode that's not like, remember last time um, Katie came on and we did the 16 Pregnant episode of Katie Yeager? So (laughs) it's like that. It's not going to be a Patreon bonus episode. Everybody's going to get it. It's going to be released on the regular feed. But it will be, um, it is a bonus episode and I'm doing it with a married couple, Chuck and Amy, who were like OGs on the Dearly Departed Facebook page. And we did Brianna 16 and Pregnant, which was a really good episode. I think it's in season four of 16 and Pregnant or season three of 16 and Pregnant. I think it's season four. Um, which on Amazon is volume five, if you're going to buy the episode. But yeah, it's Brianna and Brittany's basically 16 pregnant episode. Watch it this week and then you'll enjoy our episode. It was fun to do. Anyway, I don't think that much has happened in the team mom world this week. Farah has released some sort of entrepreneur entrepreneurial masterclass that I considered buying, but then I saw the price was $100. And I just, I can't do that. It's too much. But I really, I really want to. And if anybody is listening and they're really rich and they want to buy Farrah's Masterclass and watch it and then recap it for me, I would really appreciate that. But you should only do that if like $100 is the same as $1 for you. Because it's really not worth more than $1. I'm interested in what her tips are. (laughs) But yeah, it's been a slow Teen Mom week. Not much has happened Bristol quit Teen Mom OG. I can't remember if I talked about that last week. Um, She had, I definitely had posted it on my Instagram before she made the announcement because both Sunny and Sunny being Levi's wife and Dakota had both mentioned that they were done with the show and that Teen Mom was over, but Bristol has officially quit. Uh, The Ashley says that she is going to be on some of this season, like they've filmed for this upcoming season and MTV will definitely use all of the footage that they have captured so far. I personally am not... I'm like, okay, bye. I'm fine. I'm fine with them being gone. I will be curious to see if they bring in somebody else. Because I think, as I've said before, I think MTV really likes the five-girl format. So I'll be surprised if they just keep it at four girls. Um, Mac McKee is somewhere, like, furiously texting Larry as we speak, begging him for another shot. I still, I don't think they're going to bring on Mac McKee. I think, this is just my theory, I think that MTV thinks that Mackenzie McKee is too unstable and that they're too concerned that bringing her on, like, something bad will happen. Now, I know, I I already know what you're saying, but Amber's unstable, Janelle's unstable, etc., etc. I completely agree with you. I've often said, like, I see a dark ending for Amber. I'm not, like, I really think Amber will hurt herself, like, on Instagram Live one day. Like, I'm very concerned for Amber. A hundred percent. That's, but how do I phrase this correctly so it makes sense? There's a difference between Amber and Janelle who have been on MTV since they were 16, 17 years old. And if one of them was to kill herself, get murdered, overdose, MTV would have a little bit of deniability and being like, well, you know, when we first brought on their show when she was 16, like we didn't know how bad she was. That wouldn't even be true. But I just think it'd be a little different. They could be like, well, she was on the show for 10 years and like nothing happened. So we just didn't know that this was going to happen. 
But I think if they brought in Mackenzie McKee and she was on this show for like one or two years and then she hurt herself, it would just be such a shit show. It's not that MTV like cares. I'm not saying that they're doing this from like an ethical standpoint. I'm saying that I think that they see that Mackenzie is too fragile to be a full-time cast member and they are worried about the public backlash they will receive if they bring her on. Now, is Mackenzie McKee too fragile to be a uh, cast member? Yes, of course. But also, like, they, I might be totally wrong and she could end up joining the cast. Um, I've seen, of course, some rumors that Farrah will come back, but I don't think that will be the case. I'd be really surprised if Farrah came back. I don't think she's, like, banned from MTV, obviously, because she's on X on the Beach, or she was on X on the Beach, but I just don't think that MTV wants her on Teen Mom, although, I don't know, I think I'd be okay with her coming back. (laughs) I was okay with her getting fired, and I'll be okay with her coming back, to be honest. Cheyenne will be back. Bristol won't, but Cheyenne will be, so we'll see how that goes. As for this week's episode, where the fuck is Janelle? Where is she? Is she dead? No, the Ashley said that there was just a long period of time that Janelle did not film, which we knew. They talked about it during filming. Apparently, it was like multiple weeks that she just refused to film. So, I if she's not filming, she's not going to be on the show, which makes sense uh the ashley's article said that like mtv was desperate to basically have her on the show and that they had such little footage of her that they just could not include her in some episodes in this one i was surprised though that we didn't even get her like talking on a phone and then we saw barb or nathan uh because i think next week nathan's gonna be on or at least that's what they made it seem like but supposedly Janelle will be missing from at least a couple episodes this season. Um, I, okay, how did I feel about a janelle episode? And no one in Janelle's universe. It was fine. This week's episode was fine. It was pretty boring, but fine. But how would I feel about a season with that? No, it won't work. You know, you can do one episode here or there with Janelle and no one in Janelle's universe is involved But I don't think that they can do an entire season. As I've discussed in every single episode, I have no idea what they're going to do. It does seem, though, like Janelle's being, what's the word I'm looking for? Cooperative if she agreed to go to Philly and then drive each day to the reunion. So maybe she is being cooperative lately and will come back. I wonder if they will change any of their rules regarding David and will film if he's there, but just not include him in, you know, the show. I think that that is how they will have to do it going forward, although I understand why they don't want to do that because the cast, not the cast, the crew does not want to be at the same place as him. I completely understand and agree with that. But I think that that would be, like, the most realistic way is that David can be there. He just can't be on camera. That means they could film at her home again. They just, they need to make, if they want Janelle on the show, they're going to have to make some sort of concession, I think, personally. So I'm definitely interested to see where they go for next season involving Janelle. Not involving, regarding Janelle. And... I don't know. I hope that she's in the rest of the episodes, even though I have a feeling that she's not going to be. I think we're going to get quite a few episodes that she's not involved in, which is a bummer. But, you know, such is life if our favorite won't film. Anyway, let's talk about this episode. I don't think I'm going to do a... This isn't going to be a super long feathers in my hair. But like I said, you have another episode, which I think was like... I think that 16 Pregnant episode I did was like an hour and a half. That will be dropping this week. So I'm not going to feel guilty about it. That's also why I was really considering starting my throwback segments for this week. But then I did that uh, bonus episode. And I could not watch three episodes of Teen Mom. That would be too much, guys. Just too much. So should we start with Leah? I think Leah had the most interesting segment this week. So I'm going to start with her. Um, I did read an article. Leah gave an interview to Us Weekly, I guess, this week. 
saying that she and Jason have been broken up for a month and that their relationship was toxic. This also confirmed, confirmed that they were broken up from October to November. Now, where does that leave the show's timeline? I did a little Google today while I was watching the episode and I was like, wait, when is the twins' birthday? The twins' birthday is in December, which means that this all happened after their breakup. <laughs> she broke up with Jason, got back together, and then immediately moved the girls into his home. Interesting. Okay, I have a lot to say about this. I have a lot to say about Leah. So Leah is lets us know that she's staying at Jason's more often while her house is being fixed. First of all, how long does it fucking take to fix a house? I mean, yes, she had a flood, but it wasn't like major, major damage. It seemed like it was her basement, right? And her first floor that was damaged. So they pulled out all the carpet. It's been months. If this is December, because I'm guessing she had the girl's birthday party around when their birthday is, which I think was December 14th. And that flood definitely happened in like September, where the fuck, like, what is taking so long? It's just because she doesn't want to fix her house because she wants to move in with Jason. So we get a little scene of Addie praying before dinner. And I was like, since when does Leah pray? Does Has Leah ever been to church that we know of? Like, I don't think she's ever talked about going to church on this show. I don't think she's ever talked about going to church on social media. Like, we don't get, as far as I know, correct me if I'm wrong, come on my Instagram, ebp underscore feathers. And let me know if I missed some caption where she said, you know, on Christmas, this is before we go to church. I don't think we've ever heard Leah mention God, but, you know, I guess they pray when they're with Jason and Addie prays, uh, she says she loves Jesus and can they please get carpet in their house soon, which made me laugh. <laughs> we find out that they're going to do the girl's birthday party at Sky Zone. <sighs> Everybody knew I'd had something to say about this, right? Okay. On one hand, I get it. She wants Allie to be normal. She wants Allie to live a normal life. She wants Gracie to be able to have a birthday party where she wants to have a birthday party. I get that. I do. And, like, I especially get it for Gracie. But there are so many fucking places that you can have a birthday party that isn't just trampolining. I think Sky Zone might have some video games. I've been to Sky Zone, but not in like two or three years. And I don't, I remember there was like a couple video games, but the focus was absolutely jumping on a trampoline. Now, I don't understand why they couldn't have their birthday party at a place that was more of like a, like Monkey Joe's. Does everybody know what Monkey Joe's is? Which is like, um, it has arcade games, but then also it has arcade games, but also like obstacle courses. So there's more to do than just jumping around. There's, I mean, they could go to Chuck E. Cheese. They could go to a regular arcade. Isn't that where they had it last year in a regular arcade? They could go to my little niece just had her birthday at, um, like one of those pottery places, like color me mine or paint a pot. So they could do that. They could go to an art studio. They could go to, like, there are just so many places that you can have a kid's birthday party. They're nine now. They could have had a sleepover at a hotel with some of their friends. They could have gone swimming at an indoor pool. There's just so many things that Allie can do that's not jumping on a trampoline. And I don't see why they had to do the birthday party at the one place that, like, she really cannot safely use. It just seems so crazy. And I understand that it's like not fair for Grace and I am empathetic to that. And I don't want Gracie to feel like her whole life is dictated by Allie. But what sucks is that like their twins and their birthdays are connected. But also like, I don't feel that bad because they get a party with Jer or with uh, Corey too. They get two birthday parties. I'd be surprised if Corey was taking the girls to Sky Zone. But I don't know. Corey also doesn't make her use her wheelchair or wear a helmet or knee pads. So who fucking knows what those people are doing? <sighs> trampolines are so dangerous, by the way. Like, can we discuss that trampolines are, like, the most dangerous activity, too? It's just fucked up. 
So they have a, Jason and Lee have a little conversation about when she had the girls and she's like, I had them four months before I turned 18. And he's like, whoa. And it's like, yeah, but she's on, you're filming teen mom right now. Right? Like, you, you know what show you're filming for, right? (laughs) I can't believe we didn't see them break up and get back together on the show. And they're just putting this narrative together of Lee and Jeremy or Lee and Jason are like super fine together. I really do think that they're doing that because Leah moved in with Jason and the girls were openly talking about Leah moving in with Jason. And I think they're making a concentrated effort to give Leah a good edit this season and to give her, you know, to continue on her redemption storyline that she's been getting for the last two or three seasons. And I think that they knew that if they included the breakup, it would look so bad. So instead, what they're going to do is not include the breakup and not focus on how long that they've been together. So even if, even if they didn't have a full month breakup before she moved in, they still would have only been together for like six or seven months at that point, which is, it's fucking crazy. It's really crazy. So we get a cute little scene of Allie, Gracie, Corey, and Papa Jeff going to dinner, and they talk about the girl's first birthday. Um, I noticed Allie was, like, really cute in this scene. She seemed to have a good, how do, how would I phrase this, like, a good understanding of how the adults were talking to each other and how to talk like them. I think that, I don't know, that makes sense in my head, but it probably doesn't make sense to you guys. Um, Gracie makes a funny joke about Papa Jeff having gray hair. We get a scene of Leah and all three girls in the car, and she talks to them about the birthday party, and the girls say they want it to be Paris-themed, which is cute. Like, you know that they probably watch some cartoon or show that takes place in Paris, because even later, Leah's like, I don't fucking know why they want this to be in Paris. It's just cute what nine-year-olds come up with, where you're like, what? You want that? Um... Allie declares, Mommy, you're going to let me do all the obstacle courses. And Leah says, Am I? Well, it's your birthday. And this is what I mean by this just being like a totally irresponsible party place. It just, it's just crazy because so they go there and what? Leah says you're not allowed to do the obstacle courses. What if she got hurt? She wasn't wearing her helmet. I know it's soft, but like she has, she's extra fragile. And that's just the reality. It's just great, or Allie's reality. And I think that that's very, I think it's very hard for Leah to accept Allie's reality. So uh, Grace asks where they're going and Leah's like, we're going to the house. And Grace, guys, Grace fucking dragged Leah in this scene. This whole episode, Leah's pushing this narrative that they're just been staying with Jason for a little bit. We're just staying with him. Grace says that she wants to pack all her stuff up to get all of her stuff out of her room. And Leah's like, we're not, we're not packing up. Why would we pack up? And Grace flat out says, because we live at Jason's house. (laughs) Grace is always there to call her mom out on camera. Always. Grace lives to call her mother out on camera. And Leah's like, we don't live there. We've just been staying there. And Grace goes, Uh, no, we live all the way in whatever town. I didn't catch what town it was, but she was obviously talking about where Jason's house was. And (laughs) then Leah tries to, like, turn the situation and she's like, no, you just want all your stuff because you said that's your room and that's your side of the house, or that's your side of the sink and you just want to pretend that you live there. Like, she turned into teasing Grace and making it seem like Grace was the one that wanted to live there. But all three girls were like, No, but we live there. (laughs) It was so funny. I really felt for those girls because they're already, like, not living with him. They just, like, lived with this random guy for probably three months. And now they're back to living at their house. Uh, Leah says to them, she's like, we're just going to stay there and see how it goes. Guys, that's insane to say to your three children. We're just going to go stay at my boyfriend's house for an undetermined amount of time and see how it goes. You you see how it goes when... Okay, first of all, like, when you're an adult, I don't mean, like, your early 20s, because I had some, like, just come and stay with me and we'll see how it goes situations in my early 20s. But when you are, like, a grown-ass adult, like, I would never... Well, I guess never say never. 
but I find it very unlikely that I would move in with a boyfriend. Well, first of all, the older I get, I feel like the less likely I feel that I would move in with a guy unless we were, like, getting engaged and married quickly. Not quickly, but, like, with a timeline, which is funny because I'm definitely not a person that's, like, I'm getting engaged, I'm getting married, like, this is an ultimate goal of mine. Like, would I like to be married and have kids? Like, sure, but also if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. It's really not, I've never really been one of those people where it's, like, this is what I want, this is my goal. But the older I get, the less likely I think I would be to mingle my life with someone else like that unless we were, like, okay, we've been dating for a year, I'm gonna move in, and then within six months of us moving in, like, I would like to be engaged and then we will be, like, getting married. I just, like, I don't know why. I feel like the older I get, the more independent I am. So, the less likely I would be to want to live with someone unless, like, this was our ultimate goal. Like, when I moved in with my boyfriend in my 20s, like, <laughs> there was no, like, we're moving in and then here's the timeline to us getting married. It was like, just come move in. <laughs> this is great. I love living with you. Um, But now, I just, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't move for somebody that I wasn't, like, getting married to, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like I have independence now and I can't, I can't see myself sacrificing, although I don't think that's the right word, but I just think I wouldn't be that likely to move in with someone unless like we were planning on getting married and that was soon. Because here's the thing, like I'm going to be 31 next month. Like there is no, Look, I would love to, like I said, I would love to have kids, but also I think I'd be okay if I didn't have kids, but the reality is it's like I, I'm getting a little old to just be like, oh, well, let's see where it goes. Like, I'll move in and we'll see how it goes. I just think that's something for somebody that's young. That's like an early 20s answer. Like, we'll see how it goes. Like, I don't live my life in a we'll see how it goes way anymore. <laughs> like, I have responsibilities. I have... There are consequences to when things go bad in my life now, and I don't live a, like, we'll see how it goes type of mentality for a lot of things, and especially not, like, my living situation and taking my relationship to that level. So, it's crazy, like, it would be crazy for me to be like, well, I'm just going to move in with my boyfriend and see how it goes, and I don't have three kids. If you are moving in, if you are moving your children in with a man, especially mothers doing it with men, because... As I've said, I'm not, I'm not saying that Jason is a creep. I, I'm sure Jason isn't a creep. Well, I guess I can't be sure of anything, but I'm pretty sure Jason isn't actually a creep. But statistically, um, men are much more likely to harm children than women are. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Come at me, men's right activists. The statistics are what they are. And single mothers are incredibly vulnerable to these situations and, predators prey on single mother and their children, especially, unfortunately, when there's a disabled child in the house. That's just what the statistics are. So for you, a single mother, to move her children in with a man and a man that has another child, I guess, he, the kid must be, he must have him, I wonder if he has him 50% of the time or on the weekends. I don't know. They obviously don't really talk about their custody situation on camera, which is fine. They shouldn't. That kid should be totally unidentifiable as far as I'm concerned to all Teen Mom fans. And if I was his ex, like, I would be in court ensuring that he would be totally unidentifiable to all Teen Mom fans. Imagine. Can you fucking imagine? You get a divorce. You think things are fine. You're co-parenting with your ex. And then he starts dating your 40-year-old ex-husband, a 26-year-old that's on the fucking show Teen Mom 2. I would lose my shit. I'd be like, you, you've got another thing coming to you if you think my kid is going to be involved in this fucking mess. Anyway, I digress. This, this podcast should be called I Digress because that's what this entire podcast is. But where was I? Leah movie. Oh, right, right, right. So for Leah to just, predator statistics aside, even get rid of that. For Leah to just move her children in with a man that she's been with for about six or seven months at this point and just say, we'll see how it goes is insanity. That's not, that's so unfair to the children. Children should not have a, we'll see how it goes mentality to their home. You know, they need stability. They need their stability, the home. If you're moving your children in with your boyfriend, it should be a thoughtful decision. Now, I understand they maybe were pushed by circumstances a little, 
where did they stay for that full month that Jason and Leo were broken up? That's what I want to know. Like, where were they staying? Where were they staying for that time, like, before she was basically living with him? You know, the house has been flooded for multiple months at this point. They were broken up for a full month. Like, where did they stay? I just can't imagine having children and having such a, what's that word? Lays affair? That's not how you pronounce it. Um, But just have, like, a so, like, who knows? Who knows what will happen? Attitude when it comes to moving your children from out of their home, but not really. And that also I find very annoying because Grace, like, when she said she wanted to get all of her stuff and then Leah teased her, like, you just want to make it so that people think that's your room. Like, no, that, first of all, it's not fair. Like, that's, you know, Grace has a full room of her stuff and she probably wants her stuff and she's at Jason's with just, like, some of her clothes and some of her toys. But she deserves to have all of the things that are make her room her room. And, you know, she doesn't need them. It's not like she needs them to live. But I think that she deserves them because they're hers. And all of the kids do. Also is Jason... Jason's house is, has a second floor. It doesn't look wheelchair accessible. Remember, that was the whole fucking reason that Leah bought this house because it was one story. They built the wheelchair ramp, I think. So is Allie crawling up and down the stairs at Jason's house? She doesn't care. She does not care about the stability of her children. She has never cared about the stability of her children. It's just that she hasn't had anybody dating her for the last two years. So we've forgotten about it. And I don't know. Does the fandom see this? Do people see this? Also, Leah's Snapchat since breaking up with Jason has been insane. As I've said, her and Jeremy are definitely fucking again. But she just, like, films herself constantly. Like, she looks so weird. I don't know what's going on. She's so weird. Leah's such a weirdo. I can't. I'm not happy with this. I'm not happy with the storyline. I'm ha- not happy that she's basically basically getting no pushback at all from any of the fans. It's just crazy. So, Leah and Oreo go shopping for the party, and Oreo also calls her out. She is like, so how's your house? And Leah's like, ugh, it's still a mess. You know, we've, like, been staying at Jason's. And Oreo goes, so that's official? And Leah goes, no, no, it's not like I live there. And Oreo goes, okay. (laughs) So, basically... Leah, this whole time, is trying to push this narrative that they're not living together, but both her children and her sister call her out and are like, that's fucking bullshit. The scene, or the episode for Leah ends with them all at Sky Zone. Jason was, I mean, he was being cute and nice. He helped Allie with the obstacle course. I don't think she would have been able to do it if it was just Leah, because he kind of picked her up and carried her through the obstacle course. And the cake, can we just discuss how fucking ugly that cake was by the way (laughs) okay it was like I I think what they must have done was bought just like a party cake you know and then they bought an Eiffel Tower and then maybe Leah wrote on it herself because it was the worst cake writing I've ever seen but the cake itself was like pretty fancy so I'm assuming that wasn't the cake shop that wrote on it because that okay when I was 16 and 17 I worked at a bakery in the summers at the shore and I have the ugliest handwriting like I have really really bad handwriting and I could never figure out cake writing I was really bad at it and we would keep these cakes uh like we had probably four or five different styles of cakes and we would keep you know one or two on display to sell like our non-custom cakes and (laughs) People would come in and ask for people to write on, you know, they would buy the non-custom cakes and ask if we could just write, like, happy birthday so-and-so on it. And usually there'd be somebody working that could do it, but occasionally I would have to do it. And I would, well, usually I would say, like, I can do it for you, but I have very bad handwriting and I don't think you want me to do it. Once I had a lady come around the back and I let her, (laughs) this was insane. By the way, the people who own this bakery, (laughs) I can't. Okay, I'm not going to say what bakery it was. I know my cousin Julie is listening to this and laughing. But, so, the owner was this couple, and they, the dad wasn't, like, the husband was an alcoholic, and the mom had um, a serious drug problem. I, I think it's a current tense thing, too, I'm assuming. 
Um, they had a son that was a year younger than me that it's not funny. He actually ended up passing away from his drug addiction, uh, which is very sad. But we would like smoke pot in the walk-in freezer, like the walk-in fridge, me and this kid. And um, it was like, and when I, I was like 16, when I was doing this and the wife would work during the day and like make the cakes and you know what? She was lovely. Like she had her issues, but she was very nice. She was lovely. She was super nice to me. Um, I always really liked her. Even I would see her throughout the years because I stayed friends with the son for quite a while. And then the dad, the husband would manage at night and I usually worked at nights and I was 16 and I would like literally just be in charge of this bakery and he would go and (laughs) there was like a pizza shop that was next door basically owned by another like alcoholic guy, I think. And they would just, he would go to the pizza shop and drink. And I would just like run this bakery myself when I was like 16 or 17 years old. It was my first job. I was allowed to do whatever the fuck I wanted there. Nobody cared. Um, (laughs) And I would, one time I like let a lady come into the back of the kit, like the back of the bakery and write on the cake herself because it was like, look, I can write on it, but I have really bad handwriting. Like, I don't think you want me to. And she's like, well, can I do it? And I was like, okay, I guess. (laughs) And my handwriting on the cake was so ugly. It was so ugly because I have very ugly handwriting. I have bad handwriting. I'm not good at crafts. I'm not artistic. That's why, like, it's funny when I call this podcast my art because I'm very, like, I'm not an artistic person at all. So my cake writing skills, like, were awful. And that's what it it looked like if I wrote on the cake and it said, happy birthday, Allie and Gracie. I think it said happy birthday, but it definitely said Allie and Gracie on like the top tier. And then on the bottom tier, the cake said Paris, (laughs) but just like shitty handwriting. Oh, it was just such a mess. It was such a mess. I'd be so what I'm guessing is that they bought one of like their pre-made cakes and either Liz Bentley was working at the cake store or Leah just like took it home and wrote on it herself. But those by the way, like those cakes are expensive. Those two-tier cakes, I hope it was buttercream and not fondant. I hate fondant, by the way. I hate it. I am a buttercream person or whip I love a whipped cream. Or cream. I love all frosting. I love frosting. I love, 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 love frosting. But I have no interest in like a fancy Ace of Cakes um, type of cake that's made out of fondant. Fondant is disgusting. Anyway, that's it for Leah this week. She's an irresponsible fuck up. Yeah, I think we can all agree on that. So let's go on to Boring Ass Chelsea right after a quick break. Well, Chelsea didn't talk about Adam this week, and it was not very entertaining, you know? The whole thing was about how hard it is to be a mom of three, which I understand. I appreciated that we saw Chelsea struggling and had to see her pull over multiple times to breastfeed Lane in the back of her car. That was very real. I can't imagine, like, having a fucking camera that I have to distract from. But I don't have anything to say about this. (laughs) (laughs) I, I just, I don't, I don't, it was like, it was actually, it didn't bother me to watch. It was kind of boring, but it was fine to watch. I didn't find it like, I didn't find it annoying. I didn't find it upsetting. I wasn't like, this is stupid. It was pretty real. Actually, Chelsea seemed annoyed. She seemed frustrated. Uh, I'm sure it's very hard to have two kids under two. Remember Watson and Lane are, I think, 18 months apart. They're very close in age. And it must be really fucking frustrating to be trying to do errands and your baby's screaming and you have to pull over so you can feed her. I feel for Chelsea. But I just don't have... I don't have anything to say. Except I really didn't like them calling breastfeeding doing the dangle because of her dangly boobs. I thought that was, like, weird. And I did not like that it was the name of this episode. Because I think it... I don't know. I don't know. I just, it's like you're breastfeeding. That's lovely and beautiful. Like, we don't need to give it some weird name about, like, calling your boobs saggy, basically. I think that was my issue with it. Uh, Also, this week, Aubrey had a stomach bug. Cole helped her out with it. Apparently, Chelsea does not do puke, and she was really grateful to Cole 
Because Cole's a good husband. You know, somebody on Reddit this week asked, like, is Cole an amazing husband? And I, my theory is Cole is a good husband. From what we see on the show, I think Cole is a good husband. He loves his wife. He loves his children. He loves, including his stepdaughter, Aubrey. He seems to spend a lot of time with them. He seems to, Chelsea seems to be really happy with him. But we can't know if he's amazing because we don't know the labor division in their household. We don't know if he maybe doesn't ever do dishes. You know, it's it's impossible to say if he's an amazing husband. How could we possibly know if he's an amazing husband? Um, I do think that he is kind of, should be what the bare minimum, you know, like loving your wife and your children isn't something that I think you should get rewarded for. <laughs> That's just called being a husband and a father. <laughs> and if you don't love your wife and children, you shouldn't be a husband and a father. But I do think he's, like, he's a good person. You know, like, Cole's a good person. From what we know on the show, Cole is a good person. From what we know on the show, like, he's a good dad. But I don't think it makes sense for us to call him amazing because the reality is it's like, we don't know what, what their actual lives look like. And, like... The nitty gritty of what makes it the difference between what makes like a good husband and what makes an amazing husband, in my opinion, is a husband that um, understands, appreciates, values a woman in the emotional labor that she does in her marriage, the invisible labor that she does in her marriage, such as not just like doing the laundry and the dishes, but remembering everybody's birthday, remembering all schedules, packing all lunches, remembering when homework is due remembering when doctor's appointments are, remembering your mother's birthday and getting her the gift in the card. There's just so much that goes into that, like, study show is basically completely handled by women in um, heteronormative relationships. Like, in these relationships, it's always, always women that take on the emotional burden of running the household, even if she also has a full-time job. Um, they call it the second shift, which women are more likely to go to work and then come home and do all of the cleaning, household chores, and parenting stuff, the majority of it, even if the wife works the same amount as the husband. Um, so in my opinion, there are lots of good husbands and fathers out there in the world that, you know, love their kill, their children, provide for them, love their wife, help around some, but they aren't amazing because they don't take on their fear of the emotional and invisible labor that women are subjected to because of the patriarchal society that we live in. And <laughs> welcome to Liz's Radical Feminist Podcast. And I would not call a man that does not take that on to be an amazing husband and father. Um, my brother, who I've talked about on here, in my opinion, is an amazing husband and father. He I'm sure my sister-in-law still takes on more just because that is the world that we live in. But from what I can tell, they are almost completely equals and partners. Um, an example of it was when I was visiting them in Seattle, like right when my little nephew was born. He was less than six weeks old and I was going to watch the baby and they were going to go out together, I think, for the first or second time since they had him. And my brother was, like, looking at the clock, and he's like, okay, that means you'll have to pump in, like, 15 minutes because then we'll be able to leave. Like, he had her whole, like, breastfeeding and pumping schedule memorized and was kind of in charge of it. because Not, like, in charge of it. That sounds too controlly, but was helping her manage it because she was kind of struggling with it because she was a brand-new mom. She had only been a mom for, like, five weeks, and it was really hard. <laughs> and she was kind of in a daze, and so he was, like completely on like helping her manage her schedule keeping track of her breastfeeding and pumping schedule um but I will say like my brother works at a company that he got three months paid paternity leave yeah I know everybody's jaws on the ground pick your jaw back up at least all my American listeners jaws I'm sure my non-American listeners are like yeah that's just like how it works so he had three three months paid paternity leave so he was home with her to learn her breastfeeding schedule. That is not the case. If you don't have paid paternity leave, it's just, it'd be almost impossible for that. But, you know, now that the baby is almost two years old, he'll be two years old next month, he still is, like, that much of an involved husband and father. And to me, that's, like, amazing. And I personally am not really interested in getting married and having kids unless my husband takes on, like, a total egalitarian role like that with me. 
Um, so where did, how did Cole, <laughs> I just had a moment where I blacked back into what the fuck I was talking about. And I was like, how did I get here? How on earth did I get here? But I got here because Cole gets so much praise and I think a lot of it is deserved. As I've said, I hope I've said a million times on this podcast, like I do think Cole's a good dad. I do think Cole's a good husband, but I also don't think it's possible to say he's amazing because we just, we don't know what the everyday ins and outs, 6am wake ups of their life look like. You know, and that's where, like, the difference between good and amazing is. But I do think he and Chelsea are very much in love. I do think it was cute when she said, I'll handle, you handle the puke, I'll handle the poop. And without missing a beat, he said, I can do both. I thought that was nice. And I am happy for Chelsea. I think I'm in a happy mood today. Because I'm happy for Chelsea and Cole. (laughs) But that's really it. I don't, uh, Aubrey dresses Amelia Earhart, like, warmed my little heart. I thought it was very cute. Aubrey is a cute, great kid, and I've loved watching her grow up. Oh, Chelsea's undertones in that scene where Aubrey was sick were green. She either is orange or witchy. She's either Donald Trump orange or full witchy green. That girl cannot get an undertone right to save her fucking life, which I understand. Like, I'm not good at undertones, but I'm also not, like, a licensed esthetician who's obsessed with makeup. So... What's the dealio, Chelsea? What's the dealio? Anyway, let's talk about Brianna now. I feel like I've talked about her a lot this week because, as I said, I did a full 16 pregnant episode on her. Um, But we find out Lewis is in Orlando. She FaceTimes with John to tell John that she's going to meet up with him. He's like, so you're going to talk to him? And she's like, no, we've we've talked. There's nothing else to talk about. And they kind of wonder how Stella's going to react to Lewis. But I think everybody knows how Stella's going to react to Lewis. Like a stranger, because he's a stranger. It's kind of crazy. Stella is, at that point, what, like, 15 or 16 months old, and she's seen her dad, like, six times in her life. That's really sad. I mean, I guess she saw him for the first... When did he move to New York? When she was, like, two or three months old. And then she's seen him, like... And she wasn't... He wasn't around that much right when she was born, remember? He, like, slept on the couch and then left. (laughs) Oh, God. Poor Stella. I feel really sad for Stella. This was, like, kind of... It was heartbreaking in a way, but I also wasn't very heartbroken because Stella is so loved by so many people that... It, it's sad because of what it means for the future more than what it means in the present. Does that make sense? Because, like, I don't, I don't think, like, it really, as of right now, like, Stella, I did see, like, a Reddit comment that was, like, Stella thinks Devon is her dad, and that's sad. And I was, like, Stella doesn't know what a dad is. <laughs> she's 18 months old, like, or less, because I think she said it was, like, November in this episode, and Stella's birthday is in July. So, it, <laughs> She doesn't know what a dad is, so it's not that sad in a way. (laughs) You know, it's not that, that sad. I'm not that sad for her because she doesn't understand what a dad is, but, and she has, you know, her mom, her aunt, and her grandmother who love her very much. She has Devon, who she sees. She has uh, Brianna's friends who are around a lot. I'm sure they have other family members that she sees that just aren't on camera. Stella's very loved, so it's not that I feel terrible for her in the moment that she doesn't recognize her dad because I don't think you need to have a dad. You know, there are lots of, first of all, lesbians who have children that never miss having a father. There are single mothers who are, who get sperm donors, who there is never a father at all. And I think what's sad is for the future Stella who knows that there's a dad around but doesn't show up and he doesn't come around. I think that's what's very sad. And I feel sad for that. And that's something that like I know future Stella is going to have to deal with. But when she's just crying because Lewis is a stranger to her, it's like, "Mm, whatever. It's not, it's upsetting her in the moment just because like he's a stranger and she has stranger danger because she's a baby. But what feels sad when I look at that scene is like, you know, 12 year old Stella. Like, why doesn't my dad come around? 15-year-old Stella, why doesn't my dad come around? 25-year-old Stella, like, I don't want that man to walk me down the aisle because he was never my father. 
like, I mean, you know, things could change, but if they don't, that's the reality. And it's more of, like, the hurt of Aubrey than baby Stella. There was a funny moment where <laughs> Brianna... Okay, so Brianna calls out of work so she can bring Stella to go see Lewis, and he cancels on her. <sighs> He's such a dickhead. He's like, I have something to do today. Can we meet up tomorrow? And Brittany... <laughs> Brittany says, he's a grown-up man. He's about to be 45. (laughs) Which made Brianna laugh, too. She's like, he's not about to be 45. She said he's older, but he's not about to be 45. That, I thought, made me really, 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 was so funny. (laughs) He's about to be 45. But what she's like, no, he's a grown man and he's acting the way that Devon did when Devon was 17, which was exactly agreed. I made, I'm pretty sure I made that exact point on the 16 Pregnant episode um, because Devon is pretty awful in that episode. And it's like, but he was 17 and Lewis is in his 30s or as Brittany says, about to be 45 and he still can't come around for his daughter. They wonder how Lewis was afford, able to afford to move to Florida, but can't afford to pay for his daughter's daycare, which I'm also wondering. And then, as I said, they meet up, and Stella just wants nothing to do with Lewis. Like, every time he tries to pick her up, she reaches out for Bree. She cries the whole time, and Bree just keeps saying over and over, it's okay, mommy's here, mommy's here. Um, Lewis doesn't even seem hurt. He's just like, why are you crying? Why are you crying? I was pretty proud of Brie for not laying into him and being like, she's fucking crying because she doesn't know who the fuck you are. Uh, I would have probably said that, but Brie did not. So you know what? Like, good for you, Brie. You're a better person than a lot of us. But the fact that he didn't seem to care, it's like, you're a sociopath. Like, you have to be unhinged to just not care that your child does not recognize you. <sighs> Lewis, what a shithead. I wonder if John's going to move to Florida. I think they're still together and she's happy with him. So, I guess we'll see. I wonder if he'll be at the reunion. I'm sure he will be. I wonder if Lewis will be at the reunion. They have to start flying in a lot of people for these girls. <laughs> There's a lot of people in these casts now. <laughs> Ugh, cancel the reunions. I don't ever want to watch another Team Mom reunion. Do you know how thrilled I would be if I never had to watch a Team Mom reunion again ever in my life? It's like my literal dream. Ugh. Anyway, let's talk about Kale. By the way, were we all shocked to see Chris on camera? Not only did Chris show up to this thing, he let him, they let, he let them put his face on camera? I was shocked. Also, like, how does that work when she, I don't, I don't get it. Like, so he came, you know, to the Sky Zone birthday party, right? And his face was blurred out. So when they filmed that, he was like, nah, I won't sign a release. But then when he showed up for this, he said, okay, I'll sign a release. But is that a release for the whole season? Did he get paid? Because if he agreed to be in just this one scene, but then didn't get paid. Like, that's crazy to me. Why not be on the whole season and at least get paid? Because Kale said each season they offer him more money. Every season they want him on and they keep offering him more money. I'd be like, yeah, I'll do it for $50,000. Actually, I'd probably ask for $75,000 because then I'd walk away with, like, I actually don't really know how taxes work, but I think it would be, like, forty-five dollars to $50,000 after taxes. Um, and I would need like a 50k after taxes to come on that. Like that's a come up. That's my year's salary. You know, like I would need my year my yearly salary to like come on this show for the season. That would be what I you know, like if I could get an extra 50k post tax, like if I'm Chris, I would probably agree to that. Although I know I've said a million times I'd never be on a reality show and I still wouldn't. But also, I'm sure there would be no opportunity for me to, like, demand what I get paid to be on a reality show. So, it's the weekend of her big hair product launch. Her pothead hair products. And she's going to New York for it. She talks to Becky and tells Becky that Javi had his baby. And she's like, I don't know, I haven't talked to him about it. But he had him. 
So, Mazel to Javi, which we saw last week, I guess, and baby Eli. Oh, by the way, last weekend, Isaac went to Orlando with Javi and Lauren and Eli and Lincoln, which I thought was nice. Um, I think it's nice that Isaac is still has a relationship with Javi. I think it seems like a really appropriate relationship in which he's not there all the time, but it's still, you know, it's still like a male figure in his life that he looks up and loves. I think it's probably more of like an uncle situation, and I think that's great. Um, I think it's really great of Kale to allow Isaac to go on vacations with them. You know, it's one thing to let him go over and spend the night, but to let him take him on vacation, I thought was great. And it says a lot about Kale because we all know that shit isn't easy for her. So props to Kale. Props to her. So it's, she's going to New York and she invited her sister to come, which I thought was nice. I liked the scenes with her sister. I thought they were nice. I saw some people online saying that it was obviously just for a storyline, but, like, who cares if it is? That's Kale's sister. Like, it's good if Kale's reconnecting with family or connecting with family. Wouldn't it be reconnecting because she's never been close to her. By the way, I don't know what her name is, so I'm going to call her Kale's sister this whole thing. As I was almost finished taking notes for this episode, I thought, oh, shit, I don't know what her sister's name is, but I can't, I can't rewind It's physically impossible for me to rewind. (laughs) I can't go back. I'm the opposite of Jack from Lost, saying we have to go back. Guys, remember how good Lost was at first? (laughs) Remember how good the first five seasons of Lost were? Lost was one of the first shows that I ever binge-watched. Remember before we binge-watched things because we, like, didn't have streaming? So what happened... This is a quick, a quick story. I mean, I would watch, I remember my friend and I would rent from Blockbuster, like Sex and the City on tape. I think on tape. I don't even think she had a DVD, even though no DVDs were like the standard by then. But a lot of people had, like a lot of my friends and I had one too. Like the TV VCR combos in our bedrooms, you know, that they were like 20 inches or whatever. And it would come with the VCR like attached to the TV. So my friend Althea had that, and we would rent Sex and the City on tape, and we would, like, watch multiple episodes of that. Um, But I don't think, like, we, like, binge-watched anything the way that we do now. But when I went to college my freshman year, I had a friend on my floor who torrented before I knew what torrenting really was um, or how to do it. And he gave me, like, an external hard drive worth of stuff to watch and I remember I got a sinus infection and started watching Lost. Like, it was the first sinus infection I'd ever got, which is funny because I get them almost every year now. I had never gotten one until I was, like, 18, and since then I get them almost every year. Although, knock on wood, I did not get one this year, which is amazing. Um, But I was, and he had Lost, and it was seasons one through three. It was, yeah, it must have, maybe seasons one and two, and then season three came on TV, But I remember, like, being so obsessed. And I had noise... I had just gotten, like, Bose noise-canceling headphones. And I would sit in my dorm room, (laughs) like, on my computer chair. It was not comfortable. And I would sit and I would watch episode after episode of Lost. And I had a sinus infection, so I wasn't going out. And people would come and, like, bang on my door. I remember my friend Matt would just, like, bang on my door so loud and the, the girl who lived, like, next to us on the floor would, like, come out and yell at him to make him stop doing it. But I would just listen, like, on my noise-canceling headphones, and I couldn't hear people trying to interrupt me. Ugh. But, yeah. Anyway, the show has nothing to do with Lost. So, Kale, I have no idea where we were. Um, Kale is in New York, and her sister comes, and Kale mentions twice in this episode that she invested her whole savings into Pothead. And I know she had said something like that before, but I hope that's not true. (laughs) I really, really hope that that's not true. I don't really understand why she was investing anything into this. I figured this was more of a partnership in which she used licensed her name and her face to use for advertising because obviously like a company approached her to do this I'm kind of desperate to know how much money she put into it um it seems crazy that she would invest like any significant amount of money in this because like why it just yikes it's a big yikes when I hear her talking about investing her savings in basically anything 
So her and her sister go to lunch. Oh, we find out that, like, Chris's family is coming, but she's not sure if Chris is going to come. Um, they go to lunch. They look. They talk about how they look alike, and they talk about Chris. And Kale explains that their relationship was on some bullshit before she got pregnant. It was on some bullshit once she got pregnant, and it was on some bullshit after she got pregnant. <laughs> So it's been a terrible relationship the whole time they've known each other. After Lux was born, they didn't talk for eight months. And then they started talking again. And Kale thought like, okay, well, that eight month break would be enough. And now everything's going to be fine. But surprise, surprise to nobody, it was not. And her sister is like, okay, but like, I don't understand like why you're still having so many problems and why you're still with him again. And Kale says, well, part of it is that he doesn't like the cameras or the media. And her sister's like, well, he needs to get over that because that's, like, what your life is about. And I agree with that. I think that it must be extremely hard to find a balance and a partner between someone who doesn't want the cameras. They're not with you because they want the cameras, but also someone who doesn't reject the cameras because you can't really be with someone if they, like, hate the cameras and the media, right? Like... You can't. You can't really be with someone if they are, like, dead set against, like, anything involving the show because that's your income. And not just your income. Like, that's your whole identity. And you're a celebrity. You know, I know people hate when people call the team mom celebrities, but they are celebrities. Leah did a fucking interview with Us Weekly this week. She wouldn't do that if she wasn't a celebrity. Now, are they, like, D-list celebrities? Or below. Yeah, of course. I'm not saying they're Angelina Jolie's, but they are celebrities. So how could you date someone that's on reality TV if you refuse to engage with it at all? Which is why, like, I wouldn't date someone that's on reality TV. Do I have the opportunity to date someone on reality TV? No. Of course, this is not an actual issue in my life. I'm just saying, like, if you're not willing to be involved like that, then don't get involved with someone whose life is like that. Her sister asks when enough is enough regarding Chris, and Kale's like, well, it's my fault because I'm the one who keeps going back to him. Kale's had a lot of self-awareness lately, but she doesn't do anything to change her situation, which is frustrating to watch. So they're getting ready for the party. Kale's still not sure if Chris is going to come, and Becky is there. They get their makeup done. Everybody looks nice. I thought Kale looked really nice for the party. She was wearing a booby shirt, but it looked like... It looked good. It wasn't too much, which sometimes Kale does too much with her booby shirts, and you're like, that's not a great look. But this was a good look. Uh, the party looked nice. I didn't really understand, like, the vibe of it, how many people were there, if it was huge. Uh, but it looked like there was a decent amount of people there. Uh, she had, like, a step and repeat. A lot of, she had a lot of press there by a lot. I mean, I'm sure there was probably four members from Radar Online and Wet Paint were there. But you know what? Like, God bless them. It was great. So she's talking to friends, taking pictures, and then she goes, Chris is here! We see Chris's face on camera. I could not believe it. I was shocked. And Kale literally runs over to him. She must have been pretty drunk. (laughs) She runs over to him, jumps on him, and is like, you're here! (laughs) So pathetic. It's hard to watch Kale, like, fawn over Chris. It's really hard to watch because, as I said, it's, like, very relatable to me and it just, like, produces this visceral visceral reaction to me. They kiss and then she's like, you're not leaving, right? And he was like, which I thought was weird to say, and he says no and then she tells him that he can stay to her hotel room. <laughs> oh, these two. Which, I mean, I get, I'm guessing he did. I'm sure he did. I wonder if his family just came and was, like, leaving that night and didn't get a hotel room. And so Kale's like, you can stay with me. Or I wonder if she got hotel rooms for all of Chris's family. I wonder who paid for this launch party. MTV? Because MTV was there? Or did she pay for it out of pocket? Hey, hey, hey. Kale spends a lot of money. She is, she spends a lot of money. By the way, Kale flipped out on Twitter this week and was so mad about the edit she's gotten this season, and she's so mad that they're not showing her build a house. First of all, like, I, I don't really care about you building a house. Like, I mean, if MTV showed it, like, fine, we'd talk about it, but I don't really need to see it. And also, like, it's crazy that after this episode, which was all about her hair care line, and she got 
a full, like, five full minutes at her hair care launch party that she would then get on Twitter and bitch that MTV isn't showing positive stuff enough. It's like, you just, we got, you got so much press for Pothead. Why are you bitching after this specific episode? It doesn't make any sense. So the day after the party, she's talking to her sister and her sister asks about Chris and Kale said probably the most relatable thing that she's ever said in her life, at least relatable to me. She said, I always hate him. And then he shows up and I forget all the shit that I talked. Whoo! Ain't that the truth? You fucking hate the guy and then he texts you and you're like, I don't hate him. Like, God, truer words have never been spoken. It's just so hard to watch Kale be so messy. It's so hard because I've been there and I've been her and I hate to admit that, but I have. She and her sister then talk about their desire to be close again. Um, I don't personally think they're ever going to be very close. I think that Kale has a hard time maintaining relationships and I think what will be the most hard for them is that it seems like her sister has a family that Kale does not have. She has a mom that raised her and she's involved with and she has a brother she mentioned. So I wonder if maybe her sister doesn't feel as much of a need to have that connection as Kale does and that hurts Kale. So Kale's in is likely to put the effort in. I don't know. I First of all, like long distance is hard. It's always going to be hard, but I'd be surprised if they're ever very close. But I do hope that Kale can have a friendship with her because I think that'd be good for Kale. Anyway, that's it for this week. I love you guys. I hope everybody has a good week. Keep your eyes out for that 16 and Pregnant episode. And I will talk to you next week. Ciao! This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www.patreon.com slash ebpsychos.